All right, and welcome back to Cape Sports Now. This is episode five, trying to make your Mondays just a little bit better. We don't really have a tagline. I feel like that could be something yeah, we can work on. That's still work in progress. It's being workshopped around the, uh, you know, around the. At, at least we hope we're making your Mondays <laughs> better. Uh, welcome, welcome back to the show, though. My name is Steve Dudarian, alongside my co-reporter at the Cape Cod Times, Matt Goisman. A lot of action uh, last week. It was mostly the cross because of the weather, but yep. finally we have games. There's no more of this looking ahead. We can look back a little Absolutely. bit, and then we can look ahead. We can do a little bit of both, yep. make the show a little more fun. Um, I know we wanted to kick it off as lacrosse, and, and Matt, really we're starting to see, as we kind of do every year, mm-hmm. a lot of top players, a lot of top scores starting to emerge. Who really caught your eye this past week? So one of the players, uh, so I was able to cover, I think I covered three lacrosse games, all girls lacrosse, just because that's what the schedule allowed for <laughs> um, in four days last week. You know, And some of the players that emerged we expected would be pretty good. Uh, Sam Garassi over with Sandwich. She's got 19 goals through three games, so a little over six per game. Falmouth Academy, Jane Early scores 10 goals in her first two games. Ainsley Ramsey, who we suspected could kind of fill that that's void that Eliza Van Voorhis left last year, mm-hmm. has pretty much done that. You know, she doesn't have Eliza's height, so we'll right. see how that plays into it, but she's got 11 goals in two games. She's the team leader. She can do draw control. She can pass. Mm-hmm. She has really good chemistry with Jane, probably because the two play uh, Boston, Massachusetts, the club lacrosse program right. together. Um, Barnstable, this is not a player I knew a lot about before seeing her, but Allison Carter, mm-hmm. really, really good. Uh, Ten goals through the first two games, including eight and the game winner in overtime in their season opener. Um, over at Falmouth, you got Quinn O'Rourke, who scored 16 goals, three games. Kyla Azado, who's going to play D1 lacrosse next year at Campbell University. She's got eight. Uh, And then Tara Palermo is probably the leader on the Cape right now. Uh, She's with Mashpee. She's going to play for uh, St. Leo, in, which is a D2 school in Florida next year. Uh, And she has 18 goals in two games. She's got back-to-back nine-goal performances. So we're starting to see a core players, some of whom we expected and some of whom are are a bit more surprising, uh, really starting to step forward. Right, I was really impressed with O'Rourke, a twelve in a twelve-two, excuse me, twelve-ten win over Sandwich. Mm-hmm. Nice ACL showdown. You know, Falmouth pretty much dominated those other two wins, but nice to see them. And I believe she scored the game tying goal in that one, and Falmouth went on to win that game. So nice showing from her. But even though they beat Sandwich, Sandwich had a nice showing too against Marshfield. You Absolutely. Know, Sam, Sam Garassi had to kind of help. You know, Marshall Battleback, you were at that game, and it wasn't just Garassi. I mean, she had quite a few players around her that were able to kind of pull that team back together. She did, but their their core, there was a lot of youth on that team. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot of seniors. I think their kind of sophomore and freshman classes are the largest on the team. So a lot of the other contributions were younger players who are not necessarily used to playing tight games like that, playing ACL competition like Mm -hmm. Marshfield is, uh, and – even just battling the weather. I mean, that was that was last Tuesday. That was a miserable game. It right. was like 35 and pelting rain, <laughs> and people were shivering. I mean, yeah. it was not dangerous, but it was very, very uncomfortable. And if you're not used to playing really right. good competition in conditions like that, you can make mental mistakes. Right. And that's where you need somebody like Garassi, who is a junior, a ton of varsity experience, plays showcases, very obviously wants to – play college lacrosse mm-hmm. uh, really helps. Right. 
fortunately, you were in the press box during that game. They stay a little bit warmer. <laughs> I did, but, but I was at Barcelona the next day outdoors, so I, I suffered a little to a little bit yeah. of the same degree. You know, the next day. But but you make a good point. I mean, when you're a bench player, it makes it that much harder to stay in the game. You know, you hear the coaches. You know, like in basketball, going to basketball, Gino Ariema is always saying, "I'm always watching my bench when I watch mm-hmm. film because I want to see if they're in the game, they're engaged, because yeah. that's how I determine you know playing time." But when it's really cold and you're just standing there and, and you're trying to focus on what's going on, that's very that becomes very difficult. Yeah. A lot more difficult than basketball where you're indoors and pretty much stay cozy most of the time. A little so, bit, yeah. The spring season's fun in May, in March and early April. It's not that fun. Yeah. <laughs> but kudos, kudos to all the bench players out there, people who step in and roll, play, and play key minutes. And sure. It's not easy when you're not out there running around to start the game. You have to come up kind of cold and, and get yourself warmed up mid-game. So. Kudos to the bench players, you know, we're, we've all been there, at least speaking I for ourselves. Bench, I rode the bench for four years of varsity <laughs> volleyball in high school. Right. So a couple uh, good games on, on tap this week. I'm kind of looking ahead a little bit to Thursday. Monomoy at Falmouth Academy. Monomoy, good job by them. They started off 0-2, two straight wins for them. Mm-hmm. They're an impressive team, and I think they could give Falmouth Academy a bit of a run. Um, they got players like Emma Mon who could really put yeah. the ball in the net well. And, and on the Falmouth Academy side, you obviously mentioned Jane early, but Again, you know, if if you get someone who can match goal for goal, that could come down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mon, I believe, is playing field hockey at the next level. Right. Um, you know, and that, that's really her specialty, but there is a ton of crossover between those two sports. Most kids who can play both do. I mean, Falmouth Academy doesn't offer field hockey, so Jane mm-hmm. Early plays right. soccer, right. where she was the MVP of the league last year. Um, I mean, last fall. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> Monomoy is definitely coming on strong, and somebody has got to step up and be the team that at least challenges Falmouth mm-hmm. Academy for the league title. Uh, maybe it's them. Um, you know, I didn't see a whole lot out of uh, Sturgis East that really makes me think they are going to give Falmouth Academy a huge run for their money mm-hmm. um, when I covered them last uh, right. Thursday. And speaking of that, East actually versus West, always that nice kind of for sure. unofficial civil war mm-hmm. <laughs> on Thursday at Simpkins Field. Definitely always cool to see. You know, you, in the beginning of last spring, I believe you cover some East versus West. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a really cool rivalry. You know, these kids are basically, it's almost like classmates in a sense. Yeah. Going up against, you know, one another. And you don't really get a chance to see that very often in varsity sports. Especially with the Sturgis schools where, you know, those are charter schools where mm-hmm. the kids are there because they believe they can go use that education to go to good right. colleges. And most of them do. These are very academically minded schools where I'm, you know, we're building that real athletic rivalry and that real passion for school mm-hmm. sports. It takes time, and it it's can be a challenge compared with a traditional high school. So these kind of East versus West team matches are a really good way to build that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the players in any sport, when they do that, really do enjoy it. Right. So moving on to boys lacrosse, I know I was really impressed with a couple of results from Thursday. Mm-hmm. Sandwich a 7-6 winner over Falmouth. Yeah. And then Nossett also a 7-6 winner over Marshfield. Really impressive starts to the season for you know both of those teams. I think. Oh, I know. Sandwich had already played, but I mean, you right. know, Sandwich is off to a good start. I mean, that was a statement win for them. I think for showing sure. that they're going to be a player in this ACL, along with really just about everybody else. Yeah, the ACL is wide open. I think for the girls and the boys. I, I mm-hmm. think Falmouth beating Sandwich, Sandwich beating Marshall on the girls' side. Everything you just said. This is not a league that is going to be clinched in three weeks. This mm-hmm. is probably a league that's going to come down to the last games and maybe we wind up with a tie for the mm-hmm. championship. 
whenever the season eventually ends, yeah. maybe sometime in June. Or yeah, March, uh, July, running, rape, maybe. Hopefully we're not running into Cape League at that point. <laughs> but, but in that sandwich game, really impressed with Tim Ladner, who was just an absolute force on those face-offs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about it a lot in lacrosse. You win face-offs, you're going to put yourself in a position to win. It doesn't guarantee you anything, but again, the more face-offs you win, the chances are you know, the better off you're going to be down the stretch. But also Cam Lopes, four goals in that win, so... Good, good start for Sandwich uh, in the Nasik game. Tyler Goody, you know, really mm-hmm. impressed. Nice hat trick for him. But Aiden Sullivan, you know, coach, first year coach Chris Gildehouse really praised him a lot in the beginning of the season. The long stick midfielder, he's the guy who shuts down your best, best offensive player. Yep. And I think that's really big when you come in the ACL, where hey, it's not just your stars who are going to carry you. You're going to have to have somebody else, you know, step up. So Nasik's going to make you do that. There was a bit of a side note I'd heard kind of through the grapevine that Marshall was missing a few players with some team discipline issues. But mm. you know what? A win's a win. They all count the same at the end. Yeah. But it just makes you know that rematch going to be that much more interesting up in Marshfield. And it's a lesson to avoid disciplinary issues because you <laughs> might wind up costing your team a big game. Um, I've also been very impressed with Nantucket. Boys mm-hmm. lacrosse with their start to the season. They're the first team on the Cape to go to 4-0. and They beat North Reading 15-11 to on Sunday. They have scored... 62, yeah, 62 goals in four games, which is, like, a, ridiculous. Mm. Uh, and what's really interesting about them is that there isn't one player that I think is really leading everybody else. You know, against North Reading, uh, Terrain Burton scored five goals. Mm-hmm. But in a 16-2 win against Sturgis West, Chance Pollock scored four, and he was the leader. Mm-hmm. Against Monomoy, a 14-3 victory. These scores are very lopsided. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darian Duarte. <laughs> Scored had five goals and then and an assist. Right. Their lowest scoring game was fourteen goals. Their next opponent, or they play Sturgis West Tuesday at Simpkins Field. Sturgis West is zero and three, and they've scored thirteen total goals all season. So, I'm not sure this you know this may not be the toughest competition Nantucket faces. They've already beaten Sturgis West once pretty handily this season, but Nantucket is playing really good lacrosse right now. Yeah, that's always a fun team when they come to to the Cape to mm-hmm. see them play, you know, regardless of who they are. And you know what the thing with Nantucket, it's a lot of athletes. I mean, we've, yes. we've heard these kids' names through football or through basketball, basketball and hockey. I mean, these are the three-sport athletes, and they might not specialize in lacrosse, but they're sure pretty good at it, you know? Extremely. I mean, Burton was a running back in football. Right. He was really, really good, and I'm pretty sure he was the, one of the starting, I think, guards for the uh, basketball team mm-hmm. and was – you know, he could outrun the Mashpee players, and that's tough because Mashpee is pretty darn fast. So, yeah, Nantucket, always extremely athletic, and they create athletes that are really malleable, adaptable, things like mm-hmm. that. So we move on to a little bit of baseball here. So What little there's know, been. Yeah, I know. That's, well, it made it, it made it easier for show prep, right? I mean, only sure. so much to talk about from last <laughs> week. So Saturday, Barnstable getting its first win of the season. Really impressive performance from Casey Proto, a freshman. Five mm-hmm. shutout innings and a 10-3 win over – over sandwich, and you know we talked about it last week. Barnstable is going to have to rely on some pitching, yep, and the next man up, and to get it from a freshman, that was real impressive to see. I believe Casey is Ryan's younger. That brother. is yes, yeah. Yes. So the Proto family, Ryan Proto, we talked about. He's a, a junior captain and catcher. Mm-hmm. He's committed to UMass Lowell, which is a D1 program. Mm-hmm. So that family just produces very good baseball players. Right. They all play for Team Cape Cod, which goes to the Babe Ruth World Series mm-hmm. pretty much every summer. Right. No, but what was impressive, too, is I remember covering Barnstable Sandwich last year, and I believe Proto pitched a little bit, and, you mm-hmm. know, he didn't get off to a great start. I'm pretty sure Sandwich took a 5 the lead in that game. But right. to see what a year's difference makes, it's just really cool to see. And I'm sure, like you said, if he's anything like his brother, he's going to have a lot of potential down the road. 
And it was also the first win for Coach Mark Bonavita. Yeah. I know you had mentioned you did a little thing on him. Just really haven't hasn't managed at a varsity level before. You know, he's he's done some coaching and stuff like that. So I'm sure he was real excited to get that first win underway. They did lose their opener at Dartmouth, but. You know, I think the, there's some bright days ahead for Barstable. For sure. We'll see what happens here. You know, with a rotation that is as, like, pitching rotation that's as inexperienced at, to the varsity level as Barnstable has, I think he told me there's a total of, like, pitchers coming back from last year. It was less than 10 combined innings, mm-hmm. so very fresh faces for pitching. You know, there are, there are a lot of questions that he's going to be answering or learning answers to as these early games shake out, so... You know, you fall to Dartmouth, okay, you learn something from that. You mm-hmm. beat Sandwich, okay, you learn something from that. And hopefully you learn enough to start winning more and more and losing less and less as the season goes on. Right. Uh, another first-year coach that got his uh, first win, uh, St. John Paul Soros, uh, the, came out of Harwich, really good athlete out of Harwich, played semi-pro and, and minor league baseball for a few years. They play, uh, Lions play uh, Monomoy on Thursday. Monomoy is... A very, very consistently makes the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So Monomoy also won its season opener, and it would be very interesting if this turns out to be a preview of a Division Four South playoff matchup because they are in the same division, and Monomoy frequently gets knocked out by one of the other Cape teams. Yeah, I could see that. Monomoy, I got a chance to see them at the Nosset scrimmages, mm-hmm. and I was really impressed kind of by their upperclassmen. kid like Nate Amaker who was on yep. that Team Cape Cod team, he can play all positions. I know um, – Another very adaptable athlete also plays football and right. And basketball. E- Eli Nickerson, another good mm-hmm. player, good bat, good, solid, uh, reliable guy in the field. And both of those guys can also pitch too. Mm-hmm. You know, Monomoy was really mixing in a lot of different pitchers, just getting them comfortable to varsity level speed. So, yeah, I could see that being a good game too. But getting back to SJP real quickly, you know, an offensive outburst. We got we got to see quite a few of those last yeah. <laughs> year. And, I mean, it, what do you th- – I mean, you got a chance to see them. I mean, do they do anything hitting-wise that you, you think really contributes to, you know, their preparedness to really drive the ball and, you know, create long innings and stuff well, like that? Unfortunately, the, the parts of the practice I was able to get to, they were in the gym, and mm-hmm. it's very hard to do, like, right. real hitting in inside a gym because mm-hmm. you'll break windows right, and right. smash up the ceiling. You know, it helps to have somebody really experienced like Devin Harrison kind of anchoring the team, and he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, But I think in general, St. John Paul just kind of produces good program athletes who Mm -hmm. who take baseball very seriously and work at it, uh, and that's kind of what's helping them get off to a quick start. So this week, uh, we actually have a rematch today, sandwich at Barstable. So mm-hmm. it's almost like kind of like a Red Sox race series. You play, you take a day off, you play again. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, home and home. <laughs> and Mashby also finally opens today against Sturgis West. That game's at Barnesville Elementary. Both of those games are at 4 p.m. Really excited to see Bourne play today. Mm-hmm. They're facing Dighton or Hobith at uh, Good 345. Yeah, Bourne, you know, that was a thrilling playoff game. A lot of people forget last year playing against D.Y. They had to rally. They had, took an early lead in that game. They gave up that lead. And then they scored twice in the in the seventh to win that game to move on. So this is an exciting team and one that, you know, when you look at the South Coast Conference, mm-hmm. you don't recognize – Bourne does play some Cape teams. You don't recognize a lot of the opponents. But, yes, you know, when it comes down it. to it, though, Bourne's a team that could make a run at it, you know, down the stretch. They, they're a team – they're a program that prides itself on being able to do so for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's – it's a good long, old, long-standing program that's had success in the past. So – 
you know, there, there is an expectation of success with Bourne, just like there is with St. John Paul or any of these other, or Mashpee, you know, any of these programs that have really won a lot. And then Wednesday, uh, Nosset is opening at Fountain, so that should be another exciting ACL tilt there. Yep. Also got to see Nosset a little bit on uh, during the scrimmages. They were obviously impressive, you know, just their collective ability, you know, limit errors in the field. Mm-hmm. They got pretty good depth of pitching, a bunch of Team Cape Cod guys who played for yep. them, so no shortage of talent on that side. So really excited to see what they can do this year. Nice. Also under a uh, first-year manager, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Phillips, so... Mm-hmm. We'll see. Who was, uh, who was with the program beforehand? Well, so that's it, it's first year head coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> qualifier. <laughs> Good catch. Cool. So, um, yeah, softball too. You know, we're looking for teams as front runners. You know, DY got off to a great start. Mm-hmm. They opened up against Falmouth. They scored the first ten runs in that game. Really built themselves up a big lead. You know, Abby Hicks. You know, we we talked about it last week. Her and uh, Maddie Medeiros are going to mm-hmm. be carrying the pitching after Sammy Feinstein did so for so long. Mm-hmm. And Abby Hicks, you know, for her first varsity start, knocked it out of the park. And, you know, we mentioned Fountain is a team that has a lot of potential this year. So uh, a good start for them, no mm-hmm. doubt. I'm really excited to see. Uh, I'm going to Monomoy versus Sturgis East, which is at Lopes Field uh, tomorrow, Tuesday at 4. Um, Nantucket beat Sturgis East 23-7. to mm-hmm. So this could be an early like clue as to how the Cape and Islands League is going to shake out in softball. Mm-hmm. Do, you know, if, does Monomoy win by how much? You know, Nantucket, I think, is probably one of the teams that's really going to challenge for the Cape and Islands League title that mm-hmm. I know the Sharks want right. um, and, and are very much capable of winning. So maybe a little bit of early uh, comparative ma- comparison material to see how this game plays out. Well, I'll tell you what, don't sleep on Nantucket because on Saturday, I was just about to get to that, they actually knocked off DY 7-5. So, so there you go. See? I mean, and, and you look at last year, DY with some really tight matchups against Monomoy, you know, I could I could see that going down the uh, down to the wire there. Mm-hmm. So Nantucket, you know, 30 runs in their first two games, really good performances from Marina Cass and Madeline Lamb really carrying the yep. Whalers so far this year. And, again, you know, if you can put runs on the board, you're going to put yourself in a good position to win. That might be the most obvious statement of the day. But <laughs> uh, No, but seriously, you know, when, you, when you're facing a good pitcher like Molly Trish, you're going to need to put runs on the board because mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult to win a game 1 to nothing or 2 to 1. For sure. Because Monomoy's got the bats to really do some damage as well. Including Trish. Mol- <laughs> yeah, I mean, she can... This right. is what makes her such a complete player right. and why I think she legitimately has a shot to play D1 in a couple of years mm-hmm. is that she can pitch and she can hit too, and right. she can hit for power. Right. 12 strikeouts, though, against Rising Tide in their opener, so pretty much business as usual over in Harwich. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think we're looking at a, another pretty good year for Molly for sure. Uh, we had a little bit of track last week finally too. You know, mm-hmm. we finally cleared, cleared some way for that. Really impressed with the Nosset boys. Will Van Vleck leading them, winning three events. You know, try and meet against Barnstable and Sturgis East, you know, Van Vleck. You know, it's really cool when you get to see guys who win both field and, mm-hmm. you know, track events. So we won the shot put and the discus and then go over to win the 110 hurdles. So, yep. you know, all of those take time for training. You know, I know from, you know, watching plenty of practices is that you really got to practice hurdles because if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to wipe out. <laughs> yeah, hurdles is really, it's about footwork and counting your steps between mm-hmm. the hurdles. I mean, it's very, it's a really mentally challenging kind of yeah. running event. Um, and so to be able to go from that to a field event where the mechanics are completely different, where, you know, if you're throwing, you may not even be using your feet all that right. much, which is very impressive. The Dennis Yarmouth girls are also pretty good right. at that, where they have some field specialists, but they have a lot of athletes who do cross over. Um, you know, and that team is 
having a good start to its spring, as we pretty much expected. Tiana Basie is doing what she does. Katie Holmes won a couple, you know, is doing well. Adriana Circola is doing really well. So, uh, you know, the same stars that have been part of the DY program for a while are, are emerging once again. Right. And DY got itself a 113-22 win over, um, over Falmouth. Yeah. And you just mentioned the crossover, you know, Carly Coughlin winning the 800 and the Javelin. There you go. You know, that's a distance event plus throwing. Exactly. And with all these events, these throwing events, you really got to be careful, not just for the sake of everybody else, but for your own <laughs> sake that you don't injure yourself, you know, throwing objects like that. Absolutely. Katie Holmes winning the 110 hurdles in the long jump. Excuse me, the 100 hurdles in the long jump. And uh, see Emily Edwards with the 400 hurdle win and the high jump win. So you're right, you know, winning 15 to 16 events, you know, this is the team that we expect to be there. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of damage they can do this year. Yeah, and how many of them do wind up qualifying. You know, the track is different than most sports in that you don't qualify for anything based on wins and losses. Right. You qualify based just – purely on individual performances and mm -hmm. it's like with swimming if you hit a certain height or right. distance or time you qualify for uh the division meet and then if you do well enough there you go to all state right. and then if you do well enough there you can go to new england so you know it's cool to see dy winning i'm sure they want like a team atlantic coast league title uh just like any other team would yeah. would but the the goal is always to qualify the individuals mm -hmm. and we'll see how many of them right end up ha uh, doing so this spring right but it'll be cool to see these athletes come together for like the acl meet you really get for to sure. see some of the best on the cape you know go head to head i covered the acl meet i want to say two or three years ago in outdoor track and it was really fun mm -hmm. um I, I my first professional thing i ever covered uh was a track meet in boston uh, okay. and i love the atmosphere <laughs> of track meets i really do i think they're so relaxed and fun and you can walk around and talk to whoever you want and you know, because people have no choice but to talk to each other because there's so much standing around and mm -hmm. waiting, especially in a giant track meet like a league meet. Right. So I don't want to editorialize on this too much because we also, you know, had to do a little bit of a follow-up. But we had an interesting story happen Friday. So St. John Paul's sailing mm -hmm. team uh, had a couple of boats capsized. Fortunately, all the six kids who were involved got out safely. Yep. No injuries. No one went over the hospital or anything like that. But, you know, it really speaks to the weather, you know, this year and how – unpredictable and, and how crazy it can be. And, and again, I think what I was really impressed with was just figuring out what sailors have to go through just yeah. to get out of there on the boats and practice. You know, they got to pass a swim test. They got to, you know, practice capsizing. So it's almost like a fire drill, except there really was a fire in this situation. Yeah. So, you know, it, it speaks to the reality, you know, sailing, there's a bit of a thrill, a bit of a danger to it, but, you know, just mostly relieved to see that nobody was seriously injured from, from, being in Lewis Bay when it's 30 degrees outside. Yeah, anytime, anytime you do something in the elements, you can't control everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, there, I guess there could be some question about why were they practicing in the right. first place. But if, you know, sailing has hard limits on how hot, fast the wind needs to be right. blowing to still have practice. And if it was under, then I guess they just figured, okay, it's okay to take them out. Right. Something went wrong. Things go wrong in sports and life that's pretty cliched right um and they just followed their procedures and that's why those are in place you wear a life jacket you pass a swim right, test right. you pass a capsize test mm -hmm. you know and it's good to see the system works yeah and, and the thing of it too is a lot of these kids i'm sure have had prior sailing experiences this sure. isn't just something they picked up some of them might have but a lot of them had been sailing before they got on the team in high mm -hmm. school so i'm sure experience in those situations is invaluable and just, again, good to see that this didn't result in any further Absolutely. damage.
damage. So, all right. I think that just about does it for episode five. Uh, we got marathon Monday coming up uh, mm-hmm. next week. So we'll, uh, what, what do you talk a little bit about the marathon while I have a few minutes here? You know, what do you just look forward to every year with the Boston marathon? And you grew up in, in Brookline. I so. did. So my family, we would go to the marathon uh, on uh, Beacon Street in Coolidge Corner, which is about, I want to say maybe a mile and a half from the finish line, maybe two miles. Um, you know, they just run down into uh, Boston and then there's, you know, a couple of loops and they're done. Uh, the atmosphere at the marathon is unlike anything I've ever, you know, I've experienced anywhere else. Just 26 miles of people lining the grates and handing out water and cheering. Boston sports fans get a bit of a, a bad rap for negativity sometimes, mm-hmm. and I think there can be some truth to that. But it, it's usually an extremely positive atmosphere uh, at the marathon, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it's like a nice day. If it's 50 and rainy, it's not so pleasant. But if it's sunny and relatively, like, warm, it's a really fun place to hang out for a few hours. Well, it depends on you ask because I'm sure the, the runners love 50 true. degrees and raining. That is <laughs> They want true. it to be colder. Because <laughs> I remember some years watching a few years ago, it was almost 80, and any runner yeah. was baking out there on the asphalt. So. I, I remember talking to um, Cape athletes over the phone after last year's marathon where it was in the 80s, and they all said, we train on the Cape. We haven't had any days like this since right. last August. It was really hard. So everybody finished like 45 minutes later right. than their, their projected time. I think what's real cool, it's just the whole Patriots Day tradition. It's a Massachusetts holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, you grow up in school, you get that day off, or it's usually part of April vacation. Yep. Now, I've gone to the Red Sox game on Patriots Day before. Absolutely. It's really cool to see, a, you know, what is it, a 10.30 or yeah, 11 o'clock 10 or start. Yeah, 10 11 a.m. game. It's I'm sure the game. players probably hate it, but for the fans, I'm, they really get a good kick out of it. And you know what? And you walk right out of the park, and you can see guys running not too far away. So... Always an exciting, an exciting moment every year. Something we look forward to, and and of course, plenty of Cape runners who are going to be represented. So, looking forward to following up on them. So, cool. that just about does it for episode five. Again, uh, my name is Steve Duderian. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve underscore Duderian. That's D E R D E R I A N. And I'm Matt Goisman. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Goisman C C T. That's M A T T G O I S M A N. CCT as in Cape Cod Times. You can, uh, for more of our sports coverage, be sure to check out capecodtimes.com slash sports. You'll also be able to find this episode and uh, previous episodes of Cape Sports Now there. And be sure to check out our print coverage in the Cape Cod Times every day. Uh, Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you again. See you next time.